Girlfriends, episode number 337, Nine Back-to-School Tips for Moms. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week we are talking about back to school, whether that's already happened for you or it's on the horizon. We're talking about ways to make that time easier and more productive for you as a mom. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriend. Thank you so much for being here. You know I love connecting with you here. If you're a first-time listener to the Girlfriends Podcast, I want to give you a special welcome. I really hope you're going to enjoy what we are sharing here and want to become a regular part of our Girlfriends Podcast community. Speaking of community, I have loved connecting with a lot of you online at girlfriendscommunity.com. If you enjoy what we share here in the podcast, that's a great way to go deeper on some of these topics and connect with other people who listen to Girlfriends. We have so much to learn from one another. If you want to try it out for free, go over to girlfriendscommunity.com. Would love to see you there. So this week's topic is back to school. And, you know, there used to be that Staples commercial that would be, you know, in August of each year where they show like parents kind of dancing through the aisles to that song, the most wonderful time of the year, you know, the Christmas song, but that, you know, the joke was that they couldn't wait to get their kids back to school. And I think parents can relate to that on some level, for sure. You know, uh, summer is can be a challenging time, especially if your kids go to school throughout the year, and all of a sudden they're home all day, every day. But that's that's a commercial that I used to kind of roll my eyes at as a homeschooler, because I was like, no, 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 no. The most wonderful time of the year is, you know, early June when we put the books away for a few months. And uh, that's when I get a break. So um, I, I always kind of had a conflicted feeling about that commercial, but I can totally get it on, on all sides of it. But whether you're a homeschooler and you're diving back into kind of a homeschool routine or you send your kids to school and you're getting into that, or if your kids are grown or your kids are too young to go to school yet and you aren't even, you know, doing the school thing yet, I'm hoping what I share here can still be relevant because the back to school season is is a different, it's a shift in routines. Even if you don't have kids going to school, there's sort of a natural beginning again that starts in September of each year. And it's like a fresh start. And um, my good friend, Allison Jingris, who's been on the podcast here a few different times, she likes to talk about an autumn reset. And that's what she she calls this time of year, whether you have a kid going to school or not. It's sort of an opportunity to pause, kind of like at the start of the year, kind of have these set points in our calendar where we can kind of assess and kind of set goals for the coming weeks or months and have a shift in our routine, especially if you're in a place where the weather is shifting, it feels like a natural kind of transition. So I'm going to be sharing nine different ideas for back to school. And the first one is something that really does apply to your life regardless, is um, start start gradually shifting toward an earlier bedtime. I think in the summer, it's so much easier to stay up late because it's light out later. And it's, it's kind of easier to get up earlier in the morning too. I know I found that. Well, I'll find myself just naturally waking up earlier than I usually do just because the sun is out. And in the winter though, our routines are somewhat different and you might need to be setting an alarm clock to be able to get out the door on time. But it really helps, especially if you're trying to train kids to a different kind of sleep routine to kind of begin that gradually. My mom used to do this with us kids when we were younger, before back to school like that, two weeks before 
she'd start, you know, we had more relaxed bedtimes during the school year and she'd start shifting it just a little bit earlier and getting us out of bed just a little bit earlier in the morning so that the first day of school didn't feel quite so hard, you know, so that you could be more of a getting up early routine by the time first day of school comes around and feel a little bit readier (laughs) to wake up when that alarm rings and it won't be quite so jarring an experience for you. But it might be too late for you for that right now, but just kind of keep it in mind, maybe for any extended break that you might have during the school year or something along those lines. I think shifting bedtimes gradually, it, it makes something that can be very hard, which is adjusting to new sleep routines and getting up earlier and getting right out the door. Even if you were pretty much accustomed to getting up at the same time through the summer, It's a different dynamic if you are getting up, getting dressed, getting breakfast, you know, packing lunches, getting kids out the door at a certain time. This is something as a homeschooler that I I had the opportunity to actually experience a few years back. My husband, Dan, he taught for a brief time at a charter school. Actually, he was director of the charter school. And we put two of our kids in it at the time. And so I had that experience that fall semester of getting up early and getting kids out the door. And let me tell you, Through the years, so many moms who send their kids to school have told me as a homeschooler, like, oh, I could never do that. You know, I don't know how you do that. So much work. It's such such a burden and whatever. But um, during that time when we were sending those two kids to school, I felt like that was a huge burden (laughs) being on somebody else's schedule and having to have my kids out the door at a certain time, um, also prepared with homework and lunch and all of these things. It took a, a much greater level of organization than I was accustomed to having to have at that hour of the morning. So that was definitely a challenging thing. But along those lines, if you're setting bedtimes earlier and beginning kind of gradually, I just want to encourage you, especially around the time shift and the shift in your routines, to give yourself space and give yourself grace. And that that includes your kids. You know, don't don't expect an overnight transformation and that things are going to be easy. There's there's certain level of stress involved, even if it's even if your kids love school. There's there's just a stress involved in beginning a new school year, starting with a new teacher, maybe even starting at a new school or having new friends and you know, learning new things, taking on new subjects, more challenging things every year. So give yourself space and grace. Keep that in mind, especially as you're dealing with your kids, but also with yourself at this time of year. All right, my second tip for back to school moms is establish a calendar system that works for you and your family. There are so many systems of organization and communication for families, but you've got to find the one that actually works for you. I've tried so many through the years. I've tried different kinds of digital organization. I still do a lot of that. We tend to really use, or I tend to really use Google Calendar. And when the kids were in high school and there were certain things, it was easy for me to kind of make an event. And as long as it was a kid who was online and had a Google account, I could, you know, add them as an invitation to it, even if it wasn't the type of thing that I would normally be putting on there, you know, like on my calendar. But it created sort of a a digital way to have set reminders for things and um, all the information in one place. So I, I've really appreciated that. And there, there are lots of different apps for organizing your family calendar. I don't even know enough about them to recommend one, but I know there are several out there. Maybe if you have one that you love, you could let me know and I could share it with people here on the show. Because because that's a, a really helpful thing to be able to all be on the same page digitally and at least have some level of organization and communication that way. But for me, especially during the busy years, I don't so much do this anymore because I've got fewer kids at home now. But when everybody was home and everybody was going in multiple directions every single day, 
I had a whiteboard on the refrigerator and every day I wrote down hour by hour what was going on (laughs) and who was going where and who was responsible for what ride or if they were, you know, getting a ride from somebody else. All of that was included on there. And that was a sanity saver. So I had everything kind of digitally on my Google Calendar, but each morning I would write up that list. And it was very helpful for other members of the family to be able to just see that and kind of see a snapshot of the day. So we had fewer surprises that way, fewer last minute, I need a ride and there's no car in the driveway kind of things going on. Not that we haven't done our share of that, but that really worked well for us during that stage in our family life. I don't quite need to be doing that quite so much, but I still will fall back to that on on times where it's super busy. There were a few times this past summer where I had college kids home. It was really about working out who's going to have access to rides and who has a car when they need it. So there were times like the the day before a busy day where I was like, okay, trying to work this out with the kids. And I said, I just need to write this down. So I would go and get a piece of paper and just write down hour by hour through the day, who's going where, what car is being used for what. And that is a really helpful, tangible way of having everything right there. And I know some, some families really swear by having a gigantic calendar, Like I know one family, a large family that homeschools and they have a like almost takes up a whole wall size calendar for their month that's in their house. And so there's tons of space on each square to write in everything that's going on each day and to look ahead to the next week and see what's going on. And that really works for them. Something like that might work for you. Or you might have like a mother's planner that you really love. There's a beautiful Catholic mom's planner that's available through Ascension. They publish this every year. It's over at ascensionpress.com. I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you're interested in checking that out. But so many ways to kind of organize your days, but you got to find the one that works for you. Don't pick one just because it's beautiful or because you admire somebody and that's the system that they use. You really need one that's going to work for you and your family. And that might take a little bit of trial and error, but look for you know some system that's going to work for you to be in regular communication. Um, another thing along the lines of communication and calendars is having a weekly check-in with your husband. And this can be a really helpful thing to do. I know Dan and I have done this on Sunday evenings, kind of looking at the week ahead. And yeah, it almost feels like a business meeting, especially when you've got a number of kids and a lot of things going on. Just like, okay, and, and Thursday's the day for that. Don't forget this. And these people are coming for dinner on this day. And you know, so-and-so has a dentist appointment and sports and blah, blah, blah. Kind of looking at the week ahead. But then Dan and I have also through the years just kind of naturally done this where the night before, we will talk about what's going on the next day. And even if, um, you know, even if he was going to be at work the whole time and wasn't going to be involved in the things, he always just really had an interest in what was going to be going on at home and what my day was going to look like. So those were really helpful conversations for us to have. And it, it helped me to know that he had an interest in it. And um, sometimes he could help me work things out. You know, if there was a conflict in, in certain times or um, different obligations, he could kind of help me sort that out. So definitely be in communication with your husband. And I think having set points where you do that, whether it's on Sunday evenings, or if it's first thing on a Monday morning, or if you're checking in, you know, after the kids go to bed for the next day, whatever works for you, but just finding a system that works. And don't be all over the place, be communicating, be proactive in your communication. And that's really going to help to reduce your stress level, especially as if you're taking on a new routine at this time of year. All right, my third point, my third tip for back to school moms is keep the lunches simple. That might mean, 
you know, your your kids are going to buy lunch at school, or it might mean that you have a system at home where they make their lunch themselves before they go to bed. I never wanted to do that with, um, so we, like I said, we homeschooled, but at um, a certain point, some of my kids transitioned into going to our local high school and some of them wanted lunch, some of them wanted to buy lunch, whatever. I never loved the idea of having them make their lunches because they would make a, a wreck in my kitchen <laughs> in the evening after I had already cleaned up dinner. So I kind of always liked to be part of that process. But there were ways that I could kind of streamline that by buying the foods that would be easy for them to pack. Even pre-packing, there was one stage of life that I'm still so proud of because I I went through and like I I bought like some of the different snacks that they they liked and I bagged them up in little baggies. Like I took like, you know, carrot, the little mini carrots and I put them in, they, they sell these Ziploc bags that are called snack size and they are super small. And I kind of just put them into portions like that. So they were ready to kind of grab out of the fridge. And you can do the same with snacks that you might keep in your pantry or, you know, those kinds of things so that it's easier for them to just grab, you know, a couple of things and they'll have kind of a balanced meal that way. Also making sure you're stocked up on things for them to drink um, if they're bringing more than just water to school or something like that. But, you know, having a, a system for that, but then I really just want to encourage you to keep it simple. I know it's easy to go on Instagram and see these amazing bento box lunches that these moms are preparing and like, you know, cutting out sandwiches in the shapes of like a cookie cutter flower or a heart or it. It's actually kind of insane to me, the the things that, that these moms are doing. And I mean, it's great. If that's you and you enjoy that, and that's kind of a creative thing that you enjoy doing that helps you to care for your kids and makes them feel loved, I'm not telling you not to do it. But I am saying, please don't feel pressured to do that. That's not a measure of your worth as a mom, like what their lunches look like. Keep it simple. Have a system in place. Keep it simple and, you know, in line with your your goals for their nutrition. But keeping it simple is going to save you a lot of sanity in the end. You, you don't want to be trying to impress people. Whenever you're trying to impress people, whether it's your kids or yourself or the neighbors or whatever, it, you always end up losing. It's not a good feeling in the end. And you always end up failing in some way. So don't, don't put all of your self-worth in, in the fanciness of your kid's lunch. Keep it simple. All right. The the fourth thing that I want to recommend, the fourth idea for back to school moms is do your homework. So, you know, your kids are probably going to be bringing home homework, but it's not just your kid who has homework this time of year. If your kids are going to school, there's a lot that you need to find out about their teachers, about the ways that their teachers are going to be communicating. Um, a lot of teachers will be proactive in kind of reaching out to you with an email or suggesting a phone call to kind of meet you, or there might be a way for you, an open house where you can meet them in person. Find out what's going on with all of that. And, you know, really just do your your research on how you should communicate with the teacher. It's so important for you to have that line of communication open, no matter what age your kid is or, or if they have special needs or not. Also, things like bus schedules or after-school activities. Find out how your kid's school communicates about these things. But doing your homework also applies to homeschoolers. <laughs> we know this because uh, 
you kind of got to make the plan for what they're doing. Um, even if you're using a boxed curriculum, there's there's a plan that you've got to put in place, whether it's for, um, you know, how you're going to implement those lesson plans or what your school schedule is going to look like. When my kids were were smaller, um, I really kind of liked this, this part of the school year where I could set up a new routine. And the kids really responded to it. They, they really liked the idea of having on the schedule like Tuesdays we do um, you know, picking out extracurriculars or we do art or we, you know, we go to the park on this day and kind of setting up a routine for the regular things we wanted to be doing that maybe wouldn't always make it onto the schedule. And I kind of planned out our week like that. And one really fun thing that I want to, and effective thing, actually efficient thing that we did through the years when our kids were littler was Fridays um, when we were homeschooling were always a lighter school day. So I'd always give them fewer assignments on a Friday, but it was also chore day. And I'm going to get the chores in a minute. Actually, it's another one of my tips on here. Um, But that having that kind of routine really served our family well. And the kids really loved it because it was a change in the routine. They got to do less schoolwork and they kind of took on those chores with a generally more positive attitude. So do your homework and make a plan, whether you're homeschooling or you're sending your kids to school, there's homework that you've got to do as a mom. The fifth tip I want to offer to moms for back to school season is talk with your kids. Find out how they're feeling. Even if school's already started for you, it check in with your kids. And this is such a busy time of year that we can sometimes, it's kind of feels like no brainer. Yeah. Check in with them about how their school year is starting. But it's such a busy time of year that if you're not being intentional about it and proactive about it, it you, a kid might get lost in the shuffle or, or a kid might be struggling with something and you might not know about it. So make some time to be checking in with each of your kids. Find out maybe before the school year starts, if you're there, um, find out what their expectations are or what they might be worried about or what they think was going to be especially fun about this school year or what might be challenging. This will put you in a better opportunity to be supportive of them as their mom, also to help them out in some of the ways that they might need. Maybe they're stressing about something that's not something they need to be stressing about. And there's an opportunity for you to clarify it for them or get them the support or the information that they need. Maybe they're going to high school for the first time and they're deathly worried about how they're going to open their locker. And, and, you know, these are the things that we don't think about. And, you know, through the years, I've come to realize that sometimes, especially with a teenager, that I would have this kind of impulsive feeling like when they they express something little like that, to be almost dismissive of it, like, oh, come on, that's no big deal, right? But it is a big deal to them. It's important that we recognize that, that, you know, if they're struggling with this thing, it's it's important to them. It's a big deal to them. It's causing them stress. It's causing them anxiety. So, you know, bite your tongue when you're tempted to be like, in a year, you are not going to care about that. I know you're right. In a year, they are not going to care about that thing. And yet, right now they care about it and it's a big deal to them. And um, so find a way to address it. If they're worried about opening their locker, find out if there's a way that they can get in there before that first day and and practice on the locker or take a look at what the, the classroom looks like or what the hallway is like, or maybe they can go to their first day with, with a friend. Is there somebody in their class that you could arrange for them to meet ahead of time? Or, you know, all of these things we can be proactive about, but if you don't know what's 
causing your your child's stress or anxiety with regard to the new school year, then you're not going to be able to be supportive of them in those ways. Um, but also find out what they're excited about, what they're looking forward to, because that's the fun part, right? Where we get to be a part of the new things they might be learning, the new challenges they might be facing, the new opportunities that they're going to have in a new school year. It's wonderful to be a part of that. So definitely be talking with your kids about how they're feeling about it, what they're thinking about it. And um, then once school gets started, be, be checking in with them on how it's going. All right. Also, I want to encourage the next tip that I have, number six for back to school moms, is plan some extra time to connect and have fun as a family during this time of year. I already mentioned giving yourself space and grace and giving your kids space and grace because this is a uniquely stressful time in your family life, getting to a new routine, maybe even starting at a new school, taking on new challenges, getting up earlier in the morning or taking a bus that you never had to take before or making new friends and being in a new un unfamiliar environment. All of these things are stressful and they're stressful for you too as their parent. So look for a way, whether you do it after school or on the weekends, look for a way to connect and just have fun. Um, I mentioned earlier when two of my kids were, were going to that charter school for a little while, um, that one of my my sons Rafe was especially stressed by that new routine and and you know going to school for the first time and everything that that involved and dealing with a teacher and all of that and what we found was we kind of settled into this routine and I wasn't even being very intentional about it, it just kind of happened after school it was you know fall in New England so it was beautiful out we would take a walk together and he had a, a scooter that he loved at the time and he would go on his scooter and I would be walking along and sometimes his brother would come on his bike and I found that routine really served us well as a way to kind of decompress after school, connect about how the day went and, and talk about anything that needed to be talked about. It wasn't like you're just diving straight into more stress of dinner and homework and all of that. And we really came to cherish that time together. And I really valued it as a way of connecting with him, but also just relaxing together during what was a, a stressful time for us and feeling truly connected to my kids during, when they were going through something that was challenging. So look for how you can do that. And maybe it's not going to be something that you're able to do every single day, but maybe on the weekend, maybe there's a Saturday morning routine that you might be looking to instill or something, something fun and relaxed that you can do together as a family is going to be extra valuable during a time when you're going through something a little bit extra stressful. All right, my next tip, number seven for back to school moms is think about meal planning. All right, I don't know about you, but meal planning is not one of my favorite things to do. But there are certain times in life where I feel like it is a lifesaver. And when you are going through a, you know, a, a new challenging routine, taking on something new, this mealtimes are just another opportunity for you to get stressed. So look for a way to ease it up. And that's going to mean putting a little effort into planning ahead of time. You're going to be out and about more. You're going to be running around more. And just having a plan in place for dinner just is going to go miles and miles toward preserving your sanity during this time of year. So just even if you aren't regularly a hardcore meal planner, this is a time when it's really worth that investment, at least, you know, Monday through Friday, having a plan in place, making sure you've gotten to the grocery store for the ingredients you're going to need. And even if it's just planning leftovers, you know, I find that when I do make the effort to plan meals, 
I end up saving so much money on groceries because first of all, I can go once for several meals rather than just kind of flying by the seat of my pants and running out to the grocery store every afternoon to figure out what I'm going to make for dinner. Um, not that I've ever done that. No, <laughs> that's sometimes <laughs> that's sometimes my routine. Um, but when I put the effort in to be planning meals ahead of time, I go to the store less often, which means fewer impulse purchases. But then I can plan, you know, that I'm going to have leftovers. Like I'll, I'll generally... At this stage in our family life, if I make a, a full recipe of something, we often will have leftovers. So if I have like two or three nights where I'm planning a full recipe, then I know on that third or fourth night, there's going to be a couple of different things that are, are leftover. Or you could plan those leftovers for lunch. You know what? All of these things can go a long way toward reducing your stress levels and um, making your life more streamlined. So think about the meal planning and whatever that looks like for you, putting a little more effort into it at this stage in your family life can really pay big dividends. All right, the eighth tip that I have for back to school moms, and, and I mentioned this earlier, was adjusting your chores. So this could mean your own chores, your own kind of housework routine. Um, you know, as you're adjusting to a new routine in your family life, maybe that needs adjustment. But then think about how you can adjust chores with your kids, the chores that your kids are assigned. I am assuming your kids have regular chores that they do if they don't start there, because it's important that they have those. It doesn't it doesn't have to be super complicated. You don't have to have a very complicated chore system, but regularly involving your kids in just basic maintenance and cleanup and those kinds of things going on around your, your home, it's an important part of how they contribute as a member of your family, which is a community. So for sure, you, you need to have some system in place where they are regularly participating in those things. And, you know, I find that back to school, when you're getting into new routines, it naturally lends itself to being more organized about some of these things. Like you might have things, a certain number of things that they're expected to do before they leave for school in the morning. If your kids go to school, when I was homeschooling, there was a you know, a certain level of cleaning up and being responsible for themselves that they needed to do before we sat down to do lessons in the morning. And for some of the kids, it was cleaning up after breakfast. Or, you know, I had other checkpoints in our day that were like at lunchtime when we break for lunch, cleaning up after lunch. Um, but if your kids are going to school, you're going to have set points in your day, which is in the morning in the afternoon when they come home, what are your expectations then? Are they, you know, putting away their school bag, giving you any papers that you need to sign, letting you know what they have for homework, hanging up their bag and their coat um, before they they run off and play? Or if it's, you know, teenagers before they're, they're taking off with their friends or before they're participating in sports, all of these things. What's your expectation at that, at that point in the day? That's another natural checkpoint. And then at the end of the day, seems there's a, another natural checkpoint in the day to be cleaning up messes from the day, cleaning up from meal preparations or dinner time, just making sure that you have a set routine there for chores. And there are ways you're going to have to shift it and adjust it. I remember when I mentioned some of our kids transition to going to our local Catholic high school full time. And with a couple of them, when they did that, all of a sudden I realized they were my biggest helper at home and now they're not around and it's not reasonable to expect them to do all of the things that they were doing when they were home all day. 
in you know those few hours that they're home at the end of the day. So you might need to adjust some of your expectations in that way. If they've been around all summer and been responsible for certain things, they might need a little bit more of your support with those things, with maybe their laundry or something like that if they're not around during the day. So taking a look at your schedule, their schedule, and you know adjust your chore routine accordingly. But you do need to have a chore routine. Nobody is off the hook. Having a new schedule and a new routine doesn't mean that they don't do anything and that it all falls on you. So make sure that you are addressing that subject of chores. All right. The final tip that I have for back to school moms is don't forget yourself. This is so important because especially at back to school, when your kids are going through a lot of different things, it it can be easy to be super focused on them and their needs and their goals and their new routines and schedules and what they need from you for support. And that's all as it should be. That's great. But don't forget that you too are going through an adjustment at this time of year. It can be there there can be new levels of stress that are added to your life. Maybe you're doing more carpooling or maybe you're working yourself and you're balancing all of these different obligations. Just Make sure that you don't forget that you are part of this equation and that you have a need for downtime, you have a need for rest and relaxation, and, you know, communicating and having certain needs met. So don't erase yourself from their routine. All right, those are my nine tips for back to school moms. And if your kids are already back to school, or if your kids are going back in a few weeks, I would love to hear from you about what what has helped you, especially in, in the past few years with regard to going back to school? What has been particularly challenging for you and your family? And are there any tips or tricks that you might like to share with others? I would love to hear from you. You can always send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, we've got more of the show coming up for you in a moment, but first a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean and you're listening to The Girlfriend's Podcast. The most important person ever to walk the face of the earth, the source and summit of all things Catholic. But do we really know him? Hi, I'm Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio, sometimes known as Dr. Italy. For 30 years, I've taught about Jesus in Catholic university classrooms, on TV, and on radio. And I've been surprised at how Catholics, fascinated with so many of the unique features of the rich Catholic tradition, seem to take for granted the very basis of it all, the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some other Catholic Bible teachers I know have noticed the very same problem. So Jeff Cavins, Dr. Edward Stree, and I decided to collaborate on a groundbreaking study that would focus simply on the life and teaching of Jesus Christ, filmed on location in the land where it all happened. Those who take this journey with us will learn amazing new things about the gospel stories they thought they knew so well, about his family, his friends, his enemies, his miracles. But even more importantly, they will come to know Jesus in a new and astonishing way that will make a surprising difference in their everyday lives. This study, Jesus, the Way, the Truth, and the Life, helps you learn with all your senses. The videos filmed on site in the Holy Land will change the way you visualize the gospel stories. The study guide includes gorgeous images, provocative quotes, illuminating maps, and challenging questions. The book that accompanies the study will have you riveted all the way to the end. Order the study pack now at ascensionpress.com forward slash Jesus 
and get immediate at-home access to the videos and the study guide while the printed components are shipped to you. Again, you can order Jesus the Way, the Truth, and the Life at ascensionpress.com forward slash Jesus. You'll be glad you did. Your life will never be the same. Hey, girlfriends, it's Danielle. I'm just popping in here real quick to remind you about an easy way for us to stay connected outside the podcast. And that is through a subscription to the Girlfriends podcast show notes. So a lot of times I share information here on the podcast about books, websites, music, social media profiles, or other resources that I know you're going to want to have access to. And those details and those links are always included in the show notes. Well, the easiest way to make sure that you are always in the know about Girlfriends is to subscribe to those show notes. And the good news is it's easy to subscribe. You can subscribe by texting GIRLFRIENDS to 33777 or just by going to ascensionpress.com slash GIRLFRIENDS. I'm looking forward to staying connected with you. All right, welcome back. Now at the point in the show where I like to share some feedback from a listener. And this week I heard from listener Denise who sent me a very long email. I'm not going to read it all to you, but Denise, if you're listening, know that I did read it all and I got all of the information that you shared. And Denise was basically describing a situation where they're they're oldest child, their daughter has been dating a young man kind of long distance. And um, they're anticipating that this young man is going to propose to their daughter. And she really was basically asking, how do you know how to respond as a parent when, you know, there's so many uncertainties about this other person in your child's life. I mean, Denise had many wonderful things to say about this young man, but she was still, you know, hesitant about some things and things that they didn't know. And she was basically just kind of saying, how can we know that he is the right one? And how can we be supportive of our daughter during this stage in her life? And, you know, I've got four kids who are married now. So this is something we've experienced actually very recently because all four of those kids got married in the last three years, believe it or not. So a lot of weddings, a lot of proposals, a lot of engagements and that sort of thing, a lot of navigating, figuring out how to how to support our kids through that stage of life. And of course, there's no one right answer to this because every situation is going to be unique. And if you have a child who's of age to be married, then you don't actually get much say in it, right? They're an adult. And I know I've heard from parents that have heartbreaking stories about their their children marrying people that they think are not good for them. And, you know, that's a, a uniquely challenging situation. Thanks be to God, we have not experienced that. We love, love love every every one of our our daughter and uh, son-in-laws. So um, we're blessed in that way. I know that is not everybody's situation. So really don't take that for granted. But um, just in a general way, I, I would sh- I would share with you, Denise, and anybody else who's kind of anticipating this or, or going through this right now, that it's really important that you be involved in in your in your kids' lives, not in a nosy kind of getting in their business kind of way, but just having regular conversations with them about their relationship with this person. And you can get a real good feel for the kind of person that they are uh, through that, through what your child might share about this other person or what you might observe yourself in their relationship. And it provides you with the opportunity. And this is your role. This is, in fact, your role as their parent 
to advise them or to ask some questions. I think maybe in less of a telling kind of way, if you observe something that kind of raises a red flag for you, it's an opportunity to ask a question about that and maybe offer some of your own experience in that area of life. It might be a red flag that doesn't necessarily mean do not marry this person, right? Or you must intervene. But it might be something like this is something maybe you need to think about and you need to talk about. Because, you know what, marriage prep these days in most areas of the country is so minimal that I can't believe that our church thinks it's okay for you to just go for this weekend with these people who aren't necessarily even sharing anything all that inspirational and that you're all set to get married. But really, real marriage prep, ideally, would be given to people by their parents. So I think it's entirely appropriate if your child is in a serious relationship with somebody to be asking those kinds of questions and um, seeing what their responses are and maybe sharing some of your own experiences and or encouraging them to have conversations about these things, whether it's about money or it's about sex or it's, you know, about where where they're going to work or where they're going to live or what their values are or, you know, all of these things are, are relevant and important conversations to have. And you as a parent are the perfect person to be kind of guiding and advising your child through that process. That's part of the role that God gave you. That doesn't mean you get to tell them what to do. It doesn't mean that they can't do what you don't want them to do. And you can't forbid that they marry certain people, but you can express hesitations. You can express concerns. But even more than that, you can just be having these important conversations with your young adult kids. That's a beautiful part of the kind of ongoing supportive role that we get to play as their parents. You know, it's something that I've had cause to reflect on, um, and you know, through these past several years as we've had kids that are getting married and realizing how very much our kids still need us. And, you know, not in so much the every moment of everyday ways, like when they're infants or when they're toddlers, but in very real and important ways, they need our prayer support and they, they need our input our experience. And like I said, not in a so much telling, but in asking important questions and sharing your perspective and your experience. You know, I've had some of the most wonderful conversations with our young adult kids, uh, along with my husband, Dan, in recent years, because of these important life decisions that they're making. And they provide opportunities for us to talk about some of these important things and what our values are and why we have those values and what that might look like in their married relationship and in the choices that they're making for their lives now. So I hope that's helpful, Denise. Of course, you have a very specific situation going on with your daughter. And I'm going to be praying for you through that to be the right source of support for your daughter in in however that, that relationship grows. And finally, I just want to encourage every parent, even if your kid is itty bitty and you're, you're like nursing your infant while you're listening to me, be praying for not only your kids, but for the people that your kids are going to marry. And yeah, maybe they're going to have a vocation to religious life. Actually, what I pray for my kids who through the years has always been, I pray for their future wife or their future husband or for their vocation. So you want to leave that door open. So, but one of the most beautiful things we can do for our kids is to be praying for them like this. And it starts when they're little, just pray for their vocation, pray for who they're going to marry. And one of the most beautiful things that I've realized through the years as our kids have gotten married is 
oh, when I meet this young person that my my child is is engaged to, it's like, oh, you're the you're the one that I've been praying for for years. What a beautiful gift that is to meet this person and know that I, you know, I was praying for this person as my my daughter's future husband for decades. You know, that's a really beautiful thing to think about. And um, so if you haven't already made a habit of doing that, I really want to encourage you to do it. Be praying for your children and for their vocations. It's really a vital part of how they're going to grow in holiness, how God is calling them uniquely to become a saint is through this other person if they are discerning that they should be married. So look for ways that you can be prayerfully supporting them. Thank you so much for your question, Denise. Um, If you want to send a question for me to consider taking up in this segment of the podcast, I would love to hear from you. You can contact me by email, danielle at daniellebean.com. If you really want to make my day, send me a voice memo at that email address or connect with me on Voxer. The link to connect with me on Voxer is always in the show notes over at ascensionpress.com. All right, that's all the time we have for today, but I love connecting with you outside the podcast. If you enjoy what we're doing here on the podcast, if you enjoy the kinds of conversations that we have here, I want to encourage you to check out the Girlfriends community because The Girlfriends community is how we can go further with girlfriends and get more connections, more conversations, and go deeper on some of these topics that we take up here. Go to girlfriendscommunity.com to get all the information that you need about joining our growing community of Catholic women who are invested and intentional about connecting with one another and growing and encouraging, faith-filled Catholic community of women. It's truly a beautiful thing. I love what God is doing there at the Girlfriends Community, and I would love for you to be a part of it. Again, go to girlfriendscommunity.com to check that out. And that's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of this episode. You already are part of the Girlfriends Community just by listening to this podcast. I want to thank you for that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 